Alan, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you, like a legitimate, honest to God guest who, uh, I mean, you're a podcaster just like myself. You've got a phenomenal podcast, the World of Lifting podcast. And more importantly, you're a strength athlete and one that is absolutely killing it. So you want to start off by giving your um, your resume, your strength resume? Sure. So strength re resume wise, uh, I've been powerlifting for about five years. I discovered the sport in a in the summer of 2016 during a transition year. I mean, moving from different sports, I decided to focus on barbell sports um, and particularly fell in love with it when I was able to progress rather quickly. As you see now, I've uh, you know, I was able to squat, you know, 500 when I was about 16 years old, uh, bench press 300 at eight. Well, that's not really that impressive, but yeah, my, throw, it, my, throw it out there. Yeah. My resume now is, um, is 585 pound squat, uh, 325 pound bench press and, a 545 pound sumo deadlift. Uh, and yeah, I just love it. Strength, strength is like, um, like, have you seen any of my posts on the Instagram, You'll see, you know, it was this primal human thing. You know, you were more respected if you were physically stronger. Uh, you know, military qualifications, working on a fishing boat, just like the Iceland guys. I'm sure you shared that post on your yep on your story, uh, where um, they were they had to lift stones, so they were able to qualify to to work on a fishing boat. So, strength is very near and dear to me. I'll probably do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, those numbers are crazy. Do you have like, are you willing to share your body weight? Yeah. My body weight is right now is 190. Okay. So 190, you're squatting 585, you're benching over 300 pounds, which is really phenomenal. And then, uh, your deadlift was, what was that again? It was 545. 545. That's really interesting. Your, your deadlift being lower than your squat. Uh, do you think that there's something to do with your geometry of your legs? Cause I personally was deadlifting, you know, I'd say about 25% more than my squat back when I was able to do those movements. So do you find that it's your geometry or is it your focus? Like why, why would you have that difference? Yeah. When you see most lifters, it's always the deadlift that's going to be stronger typically because you, you know, you have more muscle groups in action anyway. And, uh, but for me, it was, it was my, my body type. Like I started off the same way. My deadlift, actually my, my deadlift was higher than my squat eventually evened out and I was like, okay, which one is going to get higher? And then eventually my squat just took over it. My, my technique is very upright. So, uh, my legs are my femurs in particular are very short. So my range of motion isn't really that, that much anyway. So I, I stay pretty upright, go down and up and it's, it's literally there. So yeah, basically just body type. Uh, that was the, the reason why I was able to get such a high squat in the first place. Uh, and yeah, and you, I try to keep, you don't pull any conventional, right? You're a sumo only deadlifter. I pulled a uh, conventional at my last, uh, mock meet. Uh, how'd that go? It was good. It was a 495. Uh, 495. Holy yeah, shit, yeah. man. And that, <laughs> that was a mock meet. So you're, you're definitely not, you know, peaking all the way up there. That, that was a, a legit peak. Like we did a full on meat prep for it. Oh, but okay. It was, it was just because my sumo, for some reason, sumo just didn't work in the in during the prep so we just had to throw it out and just start with conventional sure but yeah so you're yeah, you're, you're clearly stronger on sumo um i know i was much stronger on sumo deadlifting than conventional i i actually found out from needing hip surgery that my 
just literally the geometry didn't allow me to get into position for con conventional. Like I had, a, you know, my labrum in my hips was like literally getting crushed every time I'd get into position. And so I was like, well, no wonder the sumo feels comfortable. It's literally not crushing part of my body. So it's, it's cool to see that, you know, it, it seems like sumo. It's weird though. People don't have like respect for it. Why do you think that is? Like, I know some people are like, oh, it doesn't really count lower range of motion, whatever. Yeah, that's the that's the typical thing because you look at a sumo deadlift. It looks it really looks a little bit strange, right? Your legs are very very wide, and then at, on top of that, if you're deadlifting heavy, you have a deadlift bar. The bar will whip even harder, so the range of motion is even less. So yeah, the typical thing you'll see is it doesn't count less range of motion, and uh, only conventional deadlifts are what count. But you know do. You, we don't lift for those people, you know, so we, we, we just do it for the competition. If it counts in competition, we're, we're, we're cool with it. But uh, the sumo deadlift is interesting because it does, it is definitely less taxing on your body yes. compared to a conventional deadlift. You are using less range of motion, but then the technique is, is different. Cause when you look at a conventional deadlift, you tend to be able to grind it out. You can grip and rip yep. like pretty good with a conventional deadlift with no much consequence. But if you do that with a sumo, you might get thrown out of position. Uh, right. You want to you want to be able to you know pull slack well. Um, you know the hip position. There's like a whole thing you got to do with sumo before you even. It's something that you have to respect. You know sumo is very technical. Conventional, I'd say, is more brute strength. Even though there are very technical conventional pullers, but the whole nonsense that you know sumo doesn't count. It counts. It's just you know. And you can deadlift more with it too. So it's good for your ego, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels good to the ego. But for me, it's always felt better on my body. So I've gone with that. You know, I I was, these are lower numbers, but at a body weight of, uh, it was 160. I think it was a little bit lower than that at the time. I pulled uh, 475 as a max sumo in a gym. So a regular, you know, whatever the gym bars are, um, you know, that That's was good. with, I don't think that had, I don't know if I had straps at the time. I might have was just pulling, um, you know, mixed grip and just, you know, that's, that's what I was just doing. You know, I, I love working out personally. It came from a rock climbing background. So pulling motions are definitely my dominant motion. So like, I'm kind of inspired when I'm talking to you about your, your bench, even though, you know, proportionally it seems like a lower number, but that's phenomenal. You know, you said 325. What, what would you say for somebody who's, you know, right now I'm currently 170 what would you prescribe as a movement to add or something to consider to improve my bench? I really do want to get over that 300 mark without, you know, fluffing up to a, like a heavy oh, bulk. What is, what is your bench press now? Right now um, I hit 275 before I tweaked my shoulder in September and I've just been kind of testing it out and I've switched over to a lot of incline stuff. Wow. To... It's September. So almost a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It was, well, it was a really bad tweak because I came back kind of very excited from COVID and I was like, all right, uh, let's go. So then, and then each time I feel mostly recovered and I'm sure I know a lot of people can relate to this. Like the ego kicks in a little bit and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm recovered. Let's try to shoot for something heavy and let's not, let's stop playing around with this lightweight. So what, what would you suggest in terms of other than, I mean, like right now I'm inclining a lot with incline dumbbells. Um, what would you prescribe as a way to improve my my flat bench? So my interview with Ed Cohen, for those who don't know who Ed Cohen is, the greatest powerlifter of all time. Yes, I, I had the, the once in a lifetime great opportunity to interview him. So he talked about 
uh, accessory work. And he said that where's where's the bar? Uh, no, um, the hell did he say? He's like, uh, your back is making contact with a lot of the lifts. So bars on your back. Your back's on the bench press. You're using the back on the deadlift. He's like, build your back. So he's like, he he always had really heavy barbell rows, penlay rows, dumbbell rows, whatever row you can do, seal rows. Uh, and building the surrounding muscles. So overhead press, incline is very good as well. And just adding variation to my bench press. Uh, that was one of my biggest mistakes. I was only competition style bench pressing, which is like, you can only get so far doing that, you know, with an arch and everything. Right. So you want to be able to get different movements, like maybe a tempo, right? Go down slower, maybe a three count, maybe pause. Um, you can, you can do pause work. You can do banded work, you know, resisting against bands or chains. You can do working on the triceps. You could do like, um, what's it called? A J press. Am I getting that right? Yeah, oh, it's a J. One of those. The, one of those so uh, you're saying prescribe a more, you know, differentiation. Because right now I'm pretty religious about my work workout routine. It's very consistent. So you're thinking adding a new movement instead of considering just you know more volume or or intensity. Well, also you, you find that the, that works. It, it also depends on frequency of bench press and the program that you're using. So like, the, how how often are you bench pressing? I'm doing a pressing day uh, once to twice a week. Usually, once. it's it usually hits twice a week, depending on where my rest day falls. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that yeah, it also depends. Some people bench like I, I bench right now three three days a week. Okay. Uh, coming. Uh, I also had it was a two day a week. Uh, good friend Connor was coaching me before. Now I have a different coach, but uh, right now it's three days a week. It also um. Yeah, it's just it's all about variation, really, because you want to target target those different muscles. Because when when you're arching, it's like the range of motion sometimes is cut a lot, so you you want to be able to to manipulate a lot of those things as well, like feet up bench press, you know, and also things to work on your arch too, because arching, everyone demonizes the arch too. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I try to flatten out my arch um, on you know training days, higher volume, lower uh, weight, um, so I'll I'll use a flatter position. Um, I've never done feet up benching. There's a, there's this 50 to 60 year old. I, I don't know. I don't, don't really talk to him other than a little fist bump when I walk in and see him in the gym, but he's this older Asian man and he does like a guillotine press and, but he does a guillotine press up to like 185 pounds. I've seen him throw a 195 and it just, I've asked him about his shoulder health and he says, no, I'm healthy because he swims. And so I've, I've, because of him, I've considered swimming for mobility of the shoulders, but, um, short of that, like, I just, I know that feet up pressing, I see a lot of guys doing it. They all bench a lot more than me. So maybe I should consider something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the bench press is a whole body lift. You know, you, you're mm -hmm. not just using your chest, using your back, using your triceps, using your chest, your, your legs as well. So if you, when you take out the legs part, you got a whole, like, it's a whole very, it's like bench pressing from a canoe in water. It's very unstable. So you got to be able to work a lot of the stabilizers and in turn, it will probably help you bench press the, in terms of the max weight as well. So, sure. Yeah. Speaking of like uh, lack of mobility or lack of uh, stability, have you tried those bamboo bars? 
they they're bamboo and they you often hang um i know um mark bell is a huge fan of it you know what i'm talking about right it looks yeah, like the, a piece of bamboo and it has rings on the ends that you could then put um bands and then hang kettlebells on them right yeah i've def i've tried it before yeah only like once or twice though what are your thoughts on that style of training yeah, it's like it's it's a it's like another variation type of thing right it's like you that 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 bar you will shake uncontrollably like unbelievable like you can't bench press fast at all with it so you really have to get like it it probably takes you like maybe like 20 seconds to complete one rep like from what i from how i did it because one little like positioning to the right or left you're like literally just like going everywhere so you, you gotta literally like slow down the movement so much and even then you're still like trying to like flop around with the position but i don't i don't have much to say about it because i've only done it twice so sure this is like a fun little thing to do okay yeah i, I think i can relate with uh slack line i use i have a slack line um uh, i haven't set it up in a while but um when people first get on they they're very unstable even if you're holding their hand they're on the slack line it's a piece of webbing for people that are listening. It's a piece of webbing you suspend between two trees uh, or two points and you tighten it, but it's not like um, like a trampoline tightness. It's usually pretty bouncy and like slack. Um, but a lot of people are falling all over the place. You can see their stabilizer muscles like firing away, even though they're strong people, you'd think, hey, they'd have no problem on this thing and they're falling all over the place. But I, I definitely can relate. Um, I guess I wanna talk about injuries. Because recently you posted something that was really cool. Um, it was the amount of injuries per, I think it was like per thousand hours of lifting or per thousand hours of uh, engaging in an activity. And it was showing which uh, activities were higher risk and which were lower risk across strength sports. And so what are your thoughts on, obviously we're engaging in a similar sport, which falls kind of in the middle, uh, you know, on the middle low end of the injury risk. Why do you think that people are still engaging in those higher risk activities, even though they know there's like at the, the uh, I think it was the Icelandic activities, uh, the Nordic Nordic lifting, I think it was called, had like 5.6 injuries per year. Why do you think you'd engage in such a high risk sport when the reward is significantly lower as opposed well, to, like, say, bodybuilding? Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the U.S. then. So in the U.S., we love baseball. We love basketball. We love American football. Uh, lacrosse is up there. And if you look at the injury rates, it's just preposterous. Ligament tears, knee tears, um, you know, concussion rates, obviously, with the football. Uh, and it's a cultural thing, really. What do you, what do we always see when we turn on the TV with, with ESPN? It's always football. Um, you know, we pack stadiums with, with football. There's like the, the Super Bowl. You know, we, we, you know, there's Super Bowl parties. We gather around, eat wings, watch football. Um, and, you know, as kids, you know, in communities, you know, they'll have youth programs for like lacrosse, all those sports that we see on TV as well. So. And but then we don't emphasize the strengthening part. So it falls by the wayside. We, we see a lot of those injuries, but it's more, more of a cultural thing because people get when people see barbells, they get terrified. Right. They'll, they'll think of the, the Ronnie Coleman's. Right. Uh, they they use that as an example. Ronnie Coleman. Right. I don't want to be like Ronnie Coleman. I don't want to break my back. I don't want to. You know, it's bad long term. Whatever nonsense that they say these days. Uh, so yeah. So through research, per one thousand hours, 
of powerlifting training. So if you're training one hour per whatever day, this is like literally like almost three or four years of you training and you can only get maybe one tweak because it's, it's you controlling the weight. It it doesn't matter if most people aren't training to compete. Like you're not like me or, you know, Larry wheels or something. So if you're just training to be in shape, the likelihood of you being injured under a barbell is so it's like astronomically low. If you look at powerlifting compared to football, which is all the way up there, which is literally guaranteed you're, you're, you're guaranteed a concussion in a football career. Like you're just running into each other. Powerlifting, you're not guaranteed a quad tear. You're not guaranteed a back surgery. You might even strengthen your back if, if you have a bad back. There's so many more benefits that people don't talk about because, you know, if you show up to a doctor's office with back pain and, and the doctor asks you, oh, uh, what, are your, what are your daily activities like? Oh, you know, I lift. You know, oh, no, never lift again. Never pick up a weight ever again in your entire life. And what happens? Your back deteriorates even further. Right. Doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, it's a cultural thing. Okay. So, one, I love that you just put yourself on the same st- the same floor as uh, Ronnie Coleman and uh, Larry Wheels talking about strength <laughs> sports. But it, it, that's just as an aside. But you're totally right. There are really good cases of, you know, um, people that you wouldn't want to emulate because of their high injury. But when you dig one, like that's at the surface level, right? Oh, okay. So Ronnie Coleman, let's use as an example. Well, what was he doing that was causing that versus what are you doing that are causing your lack of injury? Well, he was training high volume, high weight. Well, that sounds like the worst of both worlds. Whereas what are you doing? You take a prescription of, I'm going to do the right intensity for my body, whether that's weight or volume doesn't matter which you're not saying, Oh, I'm going to max out my volume and my, my weight every day and then just kill myself and then use PEDs performance enhancing drugs every day to be recovering as fast as possible. But we know there's things that don't recover. Like your PEDs don't recover your joint tissue. They don't recover your ligaments. They can strengthen the ligaments, but once you've worn away, let's say cartilage, it doesn't redeposit new cartilage or new collagen on that, that joint. So that's a, that's a good example. And I mean, you're going to probably be healthy your whole life. Like you, you want to lift your whole life. I imagine assuming that you are as religious as you currently have been about your training. I don't, um, I don't imagine or foresee injury that wouldn't allow you to, you know, work around say a shoulder tweak or, you know, maybe a slight back tweak. That's usually going to not be, you know, a structural thing. Usually it's a muscle thing that recovers pretty quickly, but I guess, I guess that's my, my take on that side of things. Do you, do you have any injuries that are, are persisting? Like I mentioned my shoulder uh, that I'm working on. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the shoulder. I have pretty severe injuries uh, from not from powerlifting though. Cause everybody thinks when I, so I, I dislocated my shoulder when I was a wrestler Okay, and it kept dislocating probably like in the double digits. I don't remember the count. But I, I wanted to wrestle really badly in college. I ended up doing it for a little bit, but I ended up quitting. Uh, but yeah, it was the shoulder. I powerlifted with it for for a while. I, I kept it. At the, I kept it. You know, strengthened and everything. But eventually, it just gave out. So I repaired it. It's all fixed up now. Uh, back in uh, September of 2019, I went under for labrum surgery. Okay. So, so it could like be tight in the socket again because it was just like flying everywhere. Uh, but yeah, that was basically my worst injury, you know, shoulder dislocations. 
but uh coming back from it all i had to do was adjust my my bench press technique like you would assume like um people that come back from shoulder surgery will never do anything overhead again i i wanted to i was like i the, the first thing i got to do is strain these my shoulders so i can do some overhead press some bench press and like it was painful in the beginning like trying to find the right bench press technique again but once i was able to lock the scaps back and down it was over like my, my bench press flew up flew up again so yeah well, yeah that's basically that's my injury history so just just the shoulder yeah that's that's awesome and congrats on being able to heal that up did you do any kind of protocol like peptides or um, you know, like e-stim or acupuncture on top of the prescribed physical therapy that I'm sure that your, your doctor, your osteo, what is it? The, um, orthopedic surgeon, how do you do? Orthopedic surgeon. Peptides. Yeah. Interesting, huh? That, isn't that like, uh, the thing, I don't even know what those are. That's like you inject those, right? Yeah. You can take them orally or inject. I'm, I'm kind of digging into the research on a bunch of them. That's why I ask, uh, I'm super, I'm a fanatic of them. I guess you could say I've been working on my shoulder with them. Um, oh, interesting. And it's, I, I think it does wonders. Uh, that's just my personal opinion and the research backs it up, but I haven't done any peptides. I don't, I don't, that wasn't something I considered, but like when I wake, woke up from surgery, the first thing they give you is like, like pain meds, which is like the, <laughs> the worst thing ever. But yeah, I didn't take those, but I didn't take any peptides. All I did was, um, physical therapy. The first thing they had to do since it was like, so shut to the socket, um, they had to, they had to obviously like loosen everything back up again. They had this, they had the stretch and everything. So that was probably the most painful part of the rehab process sure. was like breaking all that scar tissue. Cause I like, I, I, my arm was here. Like this is as far as I could raise it. Like I could do oh, this wow. now, obviously. Right. Like, now you can, I've seen you over overhead press with some considerable weight. Yeah. So like, I would, yeah, that was, that was basically, it was really just no pep. I did East. Yeah, I did stem because okay. uh, the, the physical therapist there, they they decided to put some. I'm not sure if it really does anything, to be honest. <laughs> like, I just feel the stimulation, just like the muscles flexing. It probably did help. I'm not entirely sure, but I did that every time I went into PT. OK, that's good. And were you I mean, I, I, for my hip, when I had my labrum reattached from my hip, I was religious about going to the pre-ops uh, physical therapy because they were insisting on making sure that the muscles around the joint were really strong. And then post-surgery, obviously I was going in there every time they allowed me to, because I mean, at the time I was, this was post-graduation. So I had a lot of time on my hands, it was on my crutches. So um, yeah, I went in every time they gave me E-stim for my back because I did herniate a disc on my back and that's don't herniate a disc on your back. Cause that sucks. I will tell you, it's not something that's fun and it it's lingering now for, for what feels like forever. Yeah. Disc herniations are a tricky one, but the, you could definitely recover from those. Oh like, yeah. No, I'm not going to say you can't. I, I think that not moving, like you were talking about not moving and the doctor saying don't lift, whatever is so bad. My I, I'm pretty close with my chiropractor. He's also, he's got a physical therapy um, component to his business and he hates when the um orthopedic surgeon recommends rest he gets so frustrated so he's actually cut off relationships with orthopedic surgeons as a result of that yeah it's he, the worst thing the worst thing you can do you yeah get, some people develop frozen shoulder like yep. just like from my injury because you're in a sling basically you know for about six weeks 
And obviously when, as soon as you get out of it, you want to, you want to start moving it again. Some people just don't go to PT because it's too painful or they just like, all right, I did the surgery. Everything's fine. And then they just develop even more issues because they just don't move it. Like they, it's like the, like I did an episode about nonsense of the fitness industry. Sure. Uh, the latest one, everyone go check it out. But uh, I talk about how the, they, they don't focus on the long-term success, right? Everybody's like, all right, what can I do in two weeks? How, how can I get shredded in two weeks? How can I get bigger arms in, you know, a month or something? When you focus on that, it's like, it's, it's hard to see yourself in like how, like five or six years. Like you only do it for a month. Like, it's like, it's like when you see the gyms pack up in January yep. and you're like, oh, okay, here we go again. Right. And then in March, all right, they're all gone. So there's like the, the discipline of being able to stick to a routine. So, and to just stay healthy, you don't even have to do what I'm doing. You just have to, you know, stay healthy. Like, t- especially in today's day and age, man, man, like everybody's like dropping, like type two diabetes gone up. Obesity is a 42% of Americans. Um, and yeah, it's, it causes so many other health issues that are prevent. Like that's, I'm pretty sure it's the leading uh, cause, uh, leading preventable cause of death in the United States. What, obesity? Obesity, yeah. Obesity-related uh, illnesses. I think smoking is probably up there. I forgot which one was number one, but it's probably somewhere up there. That's, that's really what's sad because the solution for a lot of these things, almost all of them, is moving more, right? Like, yeah, we, we, you and I can, you know, go on and on about how moving and, you know, how hard is it to hit the gym? Um, I was just on a, I was a guest on another podcast and we talked about how, um, how Joe Rogan had an argument with, or I guess not an argument. He went off on Michaela Peterson, one of his guests about how she was describing when she was super depressed and couldn't move. And like, he was like, no, you can always move. Like, it doesn't matter how little energy you have, you have the physical energy to move. And I'm split on that. I'm so split on it. Like, I totally get when you're cognitively, like you're depressed, whatever, but like movement does solve so many issues, whether it be avoiding frozen shoulder syndrome, whether it be reducing the chances of obesity, um, making yourself more sensitive to insulin, things like that, being stronger, feeling good about yourself, all those things back in, um, how old are you right now? I'm 20 years old. Oh, you're 20? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll geez. be 21 in about like in a few weeks. So, but I'm still 20. All right. You have plans to celebrate your 21st? Are you, uh, do you drink at all? Nah, not really. I mean, that, that's not my thing. Well, of course you don't. You're not 21. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I jest. Uh, what part of the country are you in? You don't have to tell me the state or anything. Part, oh, I'm in, I'm in your state. I'm in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm right no, across. you're not in New York, are you? I'm in New Jersey. So I'm pretty oh, okay. close to you. That's oh, cool. Wait, so I thought you guys, I thought you were with like Connor, like, cause I thought you guys knew. <laughs> so I thought you guys were like in the Connecticut area. Um, kind of, I mean, you know, it's a short commute away. Uh, I'm in Northern Jersey. So I, I know of Connor, um, obviously through the whole plant medicine business, we've, we've reached out to him and a bunch of other people, obviously that's how I got connected with you. That was through Patty Mahoney. So like all, right. yeah. all this network of people, I, I didn't realize we're all in the Northeast area. I thought this was kind of like a, a nationwide thing. I know there's people now that f- we've connected with in Texas. There's a whole gym of people that are, you know, buying the Turk out in Texas, which is kind of cool. It's funny how we, I didn't ask for your um, uh, time zone. 
I just automatically assume 7 p.m. would be the same time zone. I'm like, yep. okay, yeah, he's probably on in, in the eastern, you know, area. So I'm like, all right, yeah, it's 7 p.m. Yeah, no, it would be hilarious. That worked like, out. Different times. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, you, Connor, and I guess the rest of his crew. I don't. I, Nick, right? Um, I, I only know Connor and okay. uh, and Patrick. Really. Okay. Well, what's funny about all of you guys is you guys all have like really awesome home gym setups. <laughs> yeah, yeah like uh, unless you've got a very uh home looking um you know commercial gym you got a pretty dope home setup um but like you guys all like you're working out you're you're making incredible gains at a home gym which is cool to see so like there's no excuses right like you know what, what equipment do you have for example i think it would be yeah. a good question i try to keep it simple so i the the home gym was it started with just sandbags uh because I thought there wouldn't be any space for it because if you guys see my garage now, it's like very spacious compared to what it was before. It's literally stuffed with just crap and used stuff. So I thought I was like, okay, there's no way I could fit a barbell in here. So I just filled up sandbags. I bought some some empty sandbags on online and filled it up. Went to Home Depot. Sand's literally like, I want to say like seven bucks for 50 pounds or something. So it was very cheap. So I was throwing around sandbags for a little bit. And then I started to clear out the garage. And then, so I only have plates, barbells, uh, a rack and a, and a bench and some stuff to decorate the, the gym, but that's just the, the minimal stuff. So, really so you, only, yeah. You're set up for basically squat bench dead. Do you have any pads on the floor, like horse stall mats or anything like that? I'm, I need to get horse stall mats. I have like these foam mats, like the, it, the, my deadlifts are starting to, to wear them away. So oh, I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I gotta you, get those. You're, you're focused on essentially, you know, powerlifting movements. You, you, do you have any dumbbells or anything like that? No, no dumbbell. I just have barbells. So backtracking a little bit. So proof is in the pudding for everybody listening. Who's unmotivated. You're set up. A barbell could be a few hundred bucks, or it could be the one that's thrown out down the street. You know, the, 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 the gym bro from back in the day who's throwing it out. Plates can be cheap. They can be expensive. You know, you could like, I have a really crappy, you know, the one inch bars that were, you know, cool back in the nineties the and eighties back. Oh, when those really thin bars. Yeah. They're, they're one or one and a half inches as opposed to uh, like an Ollie bar, which is, I believe it's like a two inch collar. Um, but you know, I bought it from this guy in, in, um, in Patterson, I think it was for $700. I got a pretty much brand new bench, a rack setup that was super sketchy and <laughs> enough plates that I could max out my, definitely my bench. Um, maybe it was pushing it on deadlift. I could probably lift all the weights on deadlift, although the bar might be susceptible to a little bit of bending. But the point being is with $700, I got enough of a setup that I could at least match your training. Like if you said, Hey, Hey, I'll write you a plan. Hey, Cameron. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to write you a plan based on the equipment I have at my house. You can mirror it. Like I could totally do that. And that, that kind of eliminates the excuses. Like Definitely. the sandbags was a beautiful idea. You, you recently posted something. So that's why I was like, Oh yeah, totally. I, I can relate. Um, you, you did a 200 pound sandbag hold, right? Oh, right. Yeah. 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 That, was, uh, that was rogues challenge back maybe like four or five months ago. Uh, it was harder than I thought it was because I the, 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 
the guy that pl- placed first, I, I want to say he did like 15 minutes or maybe more, like a long time. I did it for one minute and I was dead. Like it's like a 200 pound just trying to hold it. But uh, yeah, I, I do sand, like I rarely do sandbags now just because I, you know, I have powerlifting goals now. Right. But uh, yeah, that, that was a little that was a fun little challenge that I did. Yeah, I, I thought I saw like you said it was like 12 minutes, which was just astounding because I know how much 200 pounds is. And sheesh. Yeah, I, especially I, with sand. I bet I, could, I bet I could lift that, but uh, I don't know about holding it even for a minute. Like, try to match what you did. <laughs> yeah, sand is just is a, is a funny one because, like, it shifts around. It's just it's not, it's not as nice as an evenly distributed 200 pounds on a barbell. Right. Like, I, I, I definitely think the sandbag was a lot more difficult. It, it could probably – I can equate it to maybe a 300-pound deadlift in, in straight way for a barbell. It feels like that. In terms like, of like how much you were engaged, like posterior chain, your legs. Yeah, because if you, if you think about picking a sandbag off, like if you think if you deadlift a barbell off the ground, it's already a few inches off the ground just because of the plates, right? Right. Sandbag is literally you have to dig your fingers under the sandbag. So right. it's literally like you're, you're not from, grabbing it from the side like you would imagine. You're grabbing it underneath. Yeah. And well, then for that challenge, I had to do it that way. Um, like I had to grab it from, from the middle, but like okay. when you're picking it up in regular, like, like a strong man sandbag loading, you're, you're literally picking it up from the sides, dig one hand under, dig one hand under, and then just like load it. But yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult. And the technique is a lot different. You're supposed to round your back actually. Like, <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Like, do you, why are you supposed to round your back? It looks unhealthy. It looks like it's everything you're not supposed to do. What's the story around that? I don't round my back with barbell movements, but with unconventional things like stones or like sandbags, I, I round the, the people, people freak the hell out about it um, for, for rounding back. So rounding back, um, I go back to squat university on this. I also had the great opportunity to interview that guy. Uh, but he also, he talks to a guy named Stu McGill. I believe that's his name. Um, uh, do you know who that is? Uh no, sorry. Okay. I'm bad so, with names. I apologize. Yeah, so he's like he he's one of those like he uh he, he's like a back doc. I don't even know how to explain. He he's a doctor for the back. Like he he checks out the spine a lot. Sure. So rounding the back is only bad is if you started in a neutral spine position on the deadlift and then when you start pulling your back slowly goes it changes position. Changing position under loaded weight that's like horrible. But if you start rounded you know, brace hard, core tight, uh, brace into your belt, and your back stays. So we're talking okay, rounding only in your up in your upper back, your 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 thoracic. Your thoracic yep. You don't want any lumbar. That that's dangerous. Like not any rounding. You want only in your thoracic. Okay. So a good example of this is uh Konstantin Konstantinov, uh KK Russian, if any yep. of you guys know. He deadlifted 900 without a belt. Uh, and so, and he has this very he, pronounced, he, he's a monster. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's crazy. Yeah, rest in peace though. He passed away. Yeah. I forgot when. But, sad. Yeah. But yeah, he has a very pronounced background. And if you see the way he pulls, he starts with a rounded back and locks out with a rounded back. One of the strongest backs in the world. Yeah. And you, okay. And yeah. So it's, it's, it's the lack of mobility during loading. You're not, not like a little bit, you're, you're not moving it under load. Cause that's the, the struggle I've always had is when I see people, you know, loading up, you know, uh, there's a, I work out at a Y I also have a retro membership, 
but um, there's different people at different places. And the YMCA, often you get more novice lifters who are trying things that they really shouldn't be necessarily. Um, so one guy, he, he loads up and does your classic starts, start strong in the good, in a relatively good position and then slowly caves. Like he, you know, he's good position and then it caves and then he snaps up and, you know, I've, I've talked to him cause I'd rather feel like an asshole and I don't, don't know where you stand on this, but I'd rather feel like an asshole and save somebody's back than feel good about myself for not saying anything and then have him walk out on like either a stretcher or having permanent back pain. Now that's a tricky one too, right? It's a tough one, right? Yeah. Cause for me, I don't tell them because actually I'm not even sure why I don't. I just, <laughs> uh, now that I think about it, uh, when I see someone lift bad, it's like I could help them, but are they going to listen? Is it worth my time to tell them? Because they might sure. just snap back. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, so I try not to bother, but uh, it is good that people out there have hearts and they, they want to save people's spines. Uh, I, I just can relate. Like when my, my you know, uh, it was L3, L4. Uh, it might be it. I actually don't recall. It's either, either L3, L4 or L4, L5. When that went, that was after some rack pulls. Cause I was, I would, you know, I thought I had perfect position. I had a belt on, I was pulling reasonable weight. And then I was like, all right, I walked away. I felt fine. And then I went to bend over to grab my water bottle. And it literally felt like, it felt like a shark bit my rib cage. Like if I was out on the surfboard and a shark wow. came up and bit my rib cage, that was the exact feeling I'd imagine it was, would, would be for a surfer whole left side, shocking pain. And then I stood back up obviously, cause that was just a shocking amount of pain. And I was like, okay, that was really bad. I probably did something. <laughs> and then I went down to actually pick up my water bottle this time. I was like, all right, we, we got to head home and figure this out. But um, yeah, I, I'd rather save somebody's back than save my ego. Um, but obviously it's different, right? Because you're right. The culture is people will snap back at you and potentially like, F off, man. You don't know what you're talking about. Obviously you have the strength credentials to back some of these things up, right? Like yeah, well, I you're, mean, you're deadlifting next to him, pulling 400, and he's like struggling with 185 with bad form. Maybe he might uh, respect you a little bit more, but still. Well, the problem is, I like if I'm not doing that next to him, like if I'm not lifting tremendous weight next to him, I don't tough. look like I can. Like I get that a lot. Like I don't look like I can lift as much as I can, uh, especially if I'm wearing like a large T-shirt. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll typically blend in with an average crowd, and then when they see me lift, like what the heck. Like this guy's putting up this weight. So if I tell someone randomly, hey man, try to you know tighten your back, make it a neutral, they'll be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? So yeah, it's kind of a weird, weird thing that I that I have to deal with. Yeah, I actually I had I, I occasionally post on my personal Instagram of like you know selfies or whatever. And I posted something on on the gram uh, a few weeks back, and my colleagues roasted me. They told me it was Photoshop for like actually two weeks straight before I sent them a video. The next time I went to the gym, they swear it was Photoshop. I'm like, Photoshop of what? My delts and like my biceps and stuff like that. They, they really thought oh. I had Photoshopped my body to like look bigger than I was. Who has time to do that? Really? <laughs> I know. Right. That's what was my argument. I was like, you think I don't have time for you during my workday. They're my coworkers. And I was like, I don't have time for social visits during my workday. You think I have time to sit at home and Photoshop my body, like blow up my delts or whatever. Mind you, it was a little bit just like some really good downloading, which is just impeccable. You're probably pumped too, though. Yeah, it was it was a it was a pull day, so you know I was doing lots of rows, and I just you know you feel good, you take a little 
little snap. And, and yeah, but yeah, I can totally rate relate to when you put a larger t-shirt on or you throw a sweatshirt on or or you're just wearing regular street clothes you just disappear you just melt and it's like yeah. All right, cool um I, I i forgot how small i look when i'm not in the gym or wearing gym clothes yeah but yeah so i have, I have some uh actual like serious questions um all right supplementation are you taking anything beyond the uh the usual stack that most people take you know pre-workout creatine and a little bit of whey protein I don't even take that really. Oh, wow. Like I don't, um, yeah, it's been over the last time I took anything was creatine. That was back in, that was two years ago. Uh, so I haven't taken any supplements because from my standpoint, it's not worth my money really. Like, uh, I'll take, um, like I took protein for maybe like six months and I was like, what am I doing? This is, this is, this is not even really this is liquid protein. I could eat a steak and like, it'll be probably better because it's actual food. Right. But I just think it's not worth my money. Like I used to, I, I remember like getting sucked into that, right? Seeing Jake Cutler on the, on the front magazine and seeing him hold his like protein and him just flexing. Oh yeah, this is how I got big. <laughs> and yeah, I got sucked into that and I was like, oh man, I got to get this stuff. Um, you know, it's good. You know, it's called a supplement for a reason. You supplement good habits, healthy eating, good sleep, and all that other jazz that you have to have, you know, when you want to make some actual progress. Some people replace everything and just like take, okay, I'm going to take a protein shake. This is how I'm going to get jacked. Eh, no, but yeah, so I mean, I'll take, I don't know if this counts, but you know, I, I use my, you know, the CBD cream from, from whole plant medicine. <laughs> ah, I appreciate the shout out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, so that's, use that that's for, good. For little aches. Yeah. So, all right. So what, what would be a little ache that you'd use uh, the CBD cream on? Okay. So I balance two sports. So I power lift and I do jujitsu as well. Uh, so occasionally I'll get the little knee, the little knees, knees and back is like the big one. Right. So I'll, I'll use it on my knee. Just like, just a little nice, topical application. Yeah. Just a little topical. I posted about this as well. I know uh, they, they shouted me back, but yeah, I'll, I'll use it on my knee or if it was my, if it was my elbows, you know, sometimes I'll deal with an elbow thing, but yeah, that, you, find it, you find it works. Yeah, it definitely works. I suggest people to buy it because, uh, you know, I interviewed him back on my podcast a, a while ago and he talks about the whole, his whole process of, of getting it in the, you know, in the bottle of the, you know, the processing of the product and everything, you know, completely no BS. Very good. Yeah. So, it's yeah. high quality. I use it for my shoulder. I use it for my back. Uh, occasionally, like you said, you, you on a push day, for example, elbows get a little sore, throw it on there. Next morning, you feel right as rain. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can relate. So, but you're not taking any pre-workout. You doing a? Do you, do you have a pre-workout routine? If you're not taking a pre-workout powder from the the you know supplement store, are you doing black coffee? What, what are you What are you doing? What's Nothing, your secret sauce? Really, I just get out there with my with my bottle of water in the garage and just just lift i don't even lift with music to be honest a lot of people ask me why like they'll see my videos and it's just like silence they're like what the heck dude why, why do you have no music and i'm like i don't know it's just like another thing that i just don't do but like i'll take electrolytes like okay. if it's if it's a particularly grueling training session where i know it's going to be very difficult i'll, I'll you know do you, if you're familiar with noon tabs uh, yes. I think, um, half Thor Bjornsson was sponsored by them. Yeah. 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 So I'll just dunk that in my water 
I use that during the mock meet because, um, you know, two or three hours of straight maxing out. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I need, I need some, some, you know, some potassium, magnesium, all that good stuff. Yep. But other than that, you know, the supplements to me is just a waste of money. I don't, I don't usually use it. No, I, I respect that decision. I know I personally, I like that world of, uh, I talked about this the other night, um, is like better living through chemistry. Like, I, I think I have a pretty solid diet. Um, for somebody who doesn't track their diet, you know, a lot of people in the, the lifting world or the, you know, bodybuilding world, they're tracking their macros and they're looking at their micronutrients. They're doing, you know, a, um, you know, what's, what's it called? The, the, uh, it's the Micros? pyramid <laughs> diet, I think it's called, um, the vertical diet, sorry, vertical, oh, diet, the vertical where, diet. Yeah. Everybody's doing their own diets and I'm just kind of like in intuitively eating which is its own kind of diet of just like kind of eating what i feel like i need to eat and kind of having a good gauge but are you following since you're not doing any kind of like supplementation are you do you have a strict diet that you follow i i actually lied supplementation i do i don't take the typical muscle building supplements i'll take all right so you're casting like, the gym supplements it, out yeah, yeah but yeah. health but supplements like, i'll take like you know vitamin d very important i'll take zinc i'll take um magnesium purposely uh k2 along with my vitamin d okay. that's like my main my main go-to is vitamin d and zinc obviously you know the, look at the research testosterone vitamin d uh good for immune system especially important during this time guys you want um you know if you, you want to stay alive obviously uh you know get stack up your immune system also working out stacks your immune system so you, you got to get that going as well uh what was your question well, just the, any, any of the other supplements you take in micronutrients. Um, oh, uh, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. most importantly, your diet, you think you have a pretty even diet. Are you following a program or any kind of, you know, macro micro diet? Uh, diet wise, if, let's see if I got like, um, if I know I'm going to be going for a long period of time without eating, I'll typically add a lot of fats. Um, okay. but I'll, the nutrition is basically just for performance. If I, if I, if it's, if it's going to be like a squat and deadlift session, particularly with very high volume, I'll eat a lot of carbohydrates before it, you know, it's nothing really special. It's not particularly the healthiest or like the most unhealthiest. I just try to eat as healthy as I can, you know, while maintaining, you know, while having enjoyment with food as well. So it's not anything too strict, but it's, okay. uh, it seems to be working. <laughs> So you, you don't, you're not weighing your food or anything like that. I see that as insane. In my opinion, I, weighing I, food. No, no, I don't do that. I, I used to want to, but uh, I was like, nah, I just, just try to eat my, eat my fill. If I, if, if it's, if I'm not as hungry, I don't eat as much. If I'm hungry, I eat more. So, so yeah. you're, you're very similar to me. I mean, I'll, I'll, for example, like I prepped some potatoes before recording this. So those are going to be the, the carb source. I have uh, some beautiful chicken that I, grilled last night so that'll be my leftovers and i got some spinach i'll throw on the plate as well some carrots and that'll be my dinner but i know that based on those i mean my my major categories are covered and then you know i've got some micronutrient supplementation i also do on the side but that's that's really awesome that you know there's more of us out there that are just doing this intuitive thing yeah it's just, just don't don't eat the crap like like all those like weird vegetable oils all those like junk food and mcdonald's if you can avoid all that stuff you know it doesn't even matter if you're vegan or a carnivore or whatever the hell diet you're on if you're just not eating the processed junk that the typical american is eating 
you know, you'll be good. You know, you'll be you'll be avoiding a lot of the problems that, are, you know, especially with obesity and all the, you know, diabetes and all that stuff. You'll be avoiding a lot of those issues. No, that, that's phenomenal. That's good. Um, so I want to ask you, if you started from scratch, if you were back to your pre-lifting, pre, like you didn't know about fitness at all, but you're 20 now. Yeah. You're kind of, you're back to scratch. What, how would you start? You have all your knowledge base, but you just don't have the, the structure. You don't have any of the, you know, the, the muscle you've put on or the strength. What would you start with? Wow. What would I start with? Like in terms of like exercises and stuff or like, what, what would be your approach? You want to get back to a healthy you. Hmm. I would definitely, hmm. that's a tough one too. Uh, Cause like all the mistakes I made are like good in a way. Cause like now, I, now I know what not to do, but like you said, I have all the knowledge I have now from, but I would just be able right, to. So you're not going to have to make all those mistakes again. Now you've got a tailored, you got a streamlined machine going on. I would probably like reach out to a, to a, a coach and just, and just go from there. Cause I did so much dumb, st- like in the beginning of my career, there was so much potential for injury. Cause I maxed out every week. Cause it's just a noob gain. It's okay. I was like, Oh yeah. I, the deadlift last week was okay. I'll just go up 10 pounds and kept doing that. And I was like, wow, I did not get in. Tr- I'm very lucky. Uh, so definitely for me, just uh, doing more reps, more reps, more repetitions, focusing on technique a lot more. Uh, to be honest, the beginning of my lifting career was really not that, really nothing that bad, to be honest. I don't think I would really change it. <laughs> to, I think uh, it was, I think uh, it was pretty successful. That's that's awesome. Yeah, the one the two things I would change are probably trying to learn more. And then potentially looking at a program. Um, like I, I have, I still don't follow a program. Everything I do is pretty intuitive, um, oh, okay. which I think is, is okay. You know, like I mentioned my bench, I mentioned my, my deadlift and my squat was three, three sixty five, Um, but that was without lift. I didn't have lifting shoes. I was lifting in like crappy running sneakers. Oh no. You know, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was a whole mess, but yeah. So that, that's, that's awesome. I think hearing that knowing that like i don't know you're on the right track like i said i mean you're only 20 you got a long career ahead of you i'm 25 uh the the other night i I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you're like how old am i shit wait 20 26 no 20 (laughs) uh, have you ever had that happen like i feel old i feel like that's that's like when you get into like your mid 20s to 30s you just start to just lose lose count Cause at yeah. that point, it doesn't really matter. Like people don't really ask you as much. <laughs> so you just, you just forget as well. Cause like yeah, when you're, when you're a kid, they just ask you all the time, like, Oh, it's your birthday. When is, what, how old are you now? You know, things like that. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's no, no benchmarks from here until 30. Right. I guess I could rent a car, you know, when I turn 25, but short of that, you know, it's, it's a long road until uh, 30. Right. Which is, which is beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's all just take it day by day. You know, it's we're, we're, I'm here for the long run. I'm I'm gonna be that guy when I'm 80. I'm still putting 300 pounds on my back, still squatting. You know, still deadlifting, still bench pressing, do whatever I can. That's awesome. Are you studying um, studying anything in school? Uh, my current major is health and physical education, so I'll be in the education system. Okay. Yeah. No health and education. So you're gonna be probably a teacher and 
like a you know K through twelve school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh, currently my goal right now. Uh, if we can implement barbells in a physical education program, that'd be revolutionary. They already did that in Texas. What school system is doing that? Uh, Texas, it's like an elementary school. Uh, I found it through Squat University, but they they had they had kids with sixty five, probably even less. It didn't even matter. But the the teacher they had they had the the bar unracked. The teacher blew the whistle. They went down and they stopped. Teacher blew the whistle again. They came up. They did that maybe for about five or six times, and then they racked it. They had spotters and everything. Safety protocols were all good. I'm like, why can't we do that in New York? You know, well, all the liability stuff, but like. My, my girlfriend loves to talk about how the school system has many flaws. Um, I don't, I won't go as to say as like, it's, you know, broken, but I know that she, she has a grievance that there's many flaws and there's a lot of ways that it can be fixed that are, seem very intuitive, but nobody seems to be implementing them. And that's one thing that I wish I had started in, in high school was we did do if we wanted to, you could choose to walk around the, you know, when we had an indoor day, you could yeah. walk around the basketball court or you could go to the gym area. And I was like, I'll go to the gym area, but I'm like, I'm a scrawny kid. I don't want to, you know, make a fool of myself. So I'll, I'll, I'll go on the exercise bike. I'll, that's how I'll hide. But if they had forced me to, I think I would be a different person. Yeah. Why? Like we're looking at a very, very unhealthy population of, of, the new generation of young kids, you know, especially during the lockdowns that, that especially didn't help as well. Cause everybody was just sitting at home, you know, being even more sedentary than usual. So yeah, it's I not mean, like you, you have to force them, but like encourage them in a way that it'll be like, if look at this guy, if you want to get there, you got to start here and promote the, like I promote the long term, Right. Cause everybody's like, okay. Um, I want to buy this uh, iPad. It'll show up at my door two days later. Instant gratifications, right? You can't get, you can't get a 500 pound squat in two days. It nope. takes years. Nope. You got to cultivate it. You got to develop your technique, your squat technique, you know, find what, what works for you and all that. We got to be able to promote that as well, especially as athletes, um, you know, try to try to get a barbell as young as you can at for, for, for a kid. Cause it's not dangerous. I, not max maxing out might be dangerous, but like just getting a kid getting used to the barbell movements, you know, and as, as they develop, you know, they, you start loading the weights, but if we, if we teach that in schools, we'd have a much healthier generation. If you look at the PE programs back in the fifties, everyone was like shirtless. Everyone I love was, those videos. Yeah. Everyone was like climbing pegboards. Everyone was doing those dip, those those dip bar walks. I don't even know what those are called. Those, those even for an athlete are pretty tough nowadays. And you see these guys just juggling along They're They're yeah. walking on those things with their hands. Everyone but, had abs. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, it's just like man, everyone man. had that like movie star physique, you know, that right. Brad Pitt from a uh, fight club physique. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. Do you man. find, do you think that um, the, you know, the school of the barbell, if you will, the, you know, going to the gym and like training has taught you any like life lessons. Hmm. Life lessons. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cause I'm a very negative thinker. Uh, that was a, another reason I got into all this fitness thing. I had to escape a lot of those, those negative thoughts. I tried to run from it, uh, but you tend to realize you have to face them sooner or later. 
especially during um, max attempts, the way you think has tremendous effects on how you train, um, especially with, uh, you know, with the weights and everything. If you have a max attempt and you're thinking, oh, man, I might tear my quad there. Why the hell would you be thinking about that before a max attempt in the first place? The, the only thing you should be thinking or strategies that you may be implementing is like visualization. You already thought in your head that you succeeded the rep and then you go do it in, in real life. You should be really positively thinking about, OK, I'm, I can do this. You know, I've trained for it. You know, my coach has been seeing the, the progress. I know I can do this. You know, let's get out of the bar. Let's get it done. You know, it's, and I was, I was pot, uh, also uh, confidence, I know, just building a stronger body makes, makes you more confident as well. You know, more muscles, you know, that's never a bad thing. Uh, also, oh, discipline. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Go. I forgot about that. I discipline. was waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 there we go. Yeah. <laughs> just because on, if anyone's been following me for the past year, uh, during specific semesters, in school, I had to get up at 4.30 a.m. just to get a lift in, just to get the, the training in. And that requires tremendous discipline because maybe like, I want to say out of 10 times that I'm going to be training, maybe maybe six or seven of those times, uh, I actually want to train. Maybe there's like those three training sessions that I'll get up and I'm like, ah, I could just literally go back to sleep and just forget about it. But then, you know, what's to say that you won't do that the next day? <laughs> just sleep like two days, three days, four days. And then when you look at it, a month goes by, like, why did I just do that? Uh, so being able to, to get up and just subject yourself to just torture physically. Uh, discipline is, is definitely very important in your life, especially if you want. Because, you know, the things that I want to pursue in powerlifting, they're not easy. So if it was easy, you know, no, everybody would be doing it. Yep. so yeah the um the idea that like discipline equals freedom jocko willink philosophy discipline equals freedom is is very true i know that it's really easy to press the snooze button like it's yeah. so tempting but you're right uh i think the gym teaches you that the, it also teaches you patience that's one thing you touched on that like inspired that question oh, right right yeah, that yeah if you teach young kids the the patience of the barbell you know hey i can lift 135 this week next week is not 135 like times two it's 135 times 1.1 and you fail on that second rep and then you fail again on that second rep and then you, finally you can do a second rep after weeks and now you're you're, you're on to the next weight and like maybe you see i mean now you're at an elite level or uh, I'd characterize like, it as I'm not an elite really, level. I'm not really elite, but like, right. I'm like, I'm getting there. Like right. elite's like really, really good. I'm not there. <laughs> but um, you're to the point where you have to be hyper patient to realize those, you know, incremental progresses. Otherwise you're going to reset. You're going to have that injury because you push yourself and you're like, oh, let's, let's PR again. Let's throw 10 extra pounds on the bar. And uh, you know, the, then you, you're reset. You have a back injury, you have a quad tear or whatever. I mean, even hearing the phrase quad there is kind of scary, but you're right. Yeah. There's, there, there's, there's just so many life lessons with lifting that I know a lot of people, um, you know, are missing out on. And, yeah, and I like, I like the mentality. I, I, I always joke, like when I'm going to the gym, I'm going to war 
Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a war with myself because it's super easy to get scared. So like the other day, um, I was I was doing incline bench and I put the hundreds on my knees and I'm like, this is going to hurt in a good way or it's going to hurt in a bad way. And if I think it's, and if I keep this idea that it's going to hurt in a bad way, it's going to, I'm going to like let my shoulder slop it slop off to the side and my wrist is going to be out of position and the weight's going to really, you know, torque my uh, shoulder. But if I think of it as, Hey, I'm going to war and I'm going to win, I'm going to kill this weight. I'm going to like, you know, it's going to be a battle. I'm going to fight it. And each rep was that same battle over and over again. And then, you know, I knocked out five and I was super stoked with myself. Obviously, we're going to have to hit heavier weights next time, or we're going to have to hit more volume, or we're going to have to figure out what's, what's necessary. But, uh, it's, you know, it, I, I love the, like, I'm going to war, Let's you know, kill it. Yeah. Cause if you do all those difficult physical things, the other things that you got to do in life or they just get so much easier, you know, getting up to do a presentation on the power on a, in front of, you know, your class, eh, what a joke, you know, I just squatted 400 for 20 reps today. This is nothing. Right. Your outlook on life is much better, especially, you know, people go to the gym for mental health anyway. So it's it's much better that way. Yeah. Have you seen the, um, I mean, I I hate to say it, but I I have seen some TikToks in my life. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) there's a TikTok of like, uh, it's like something along the lines of like, why do you go to the gym? And it's like, you know, to get girls or whatever. And then the other guy's like, why I go to the gym. And it's like, you're running away from like, uh, you know, anxiety pain depression and then the the other take on that is um you know like your pre-workout and it's like these fancy like drinks you know the pre-workout drinks and it's like mine is again those same things those themes of anxiety depression you know fear of failure things like that and it's true those are life lessons that like or, or things that like you know scare you to try to accomplish those awesome feats like you joke about squatting 400 as like, oh yeah, you know, I squatted 400 for 20 reps. Like, dude, that would be such an accomplishment for so many people, including myself. And so it's really cool to see that, you know, yeah. um, that it's, it's even possible from some good dude that throws on a large t-shirt and disappears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That sucks. I should try to get bigger, to be honest, just to, just to get a little bit of respect. <laughs> nah, it's, there's, there's an ego in, in not having an ego. The, 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 yeah. what's, it's the idea of the, the UFC fighter. Have you ever, you've, you've heard of people like with the, the prevalence of UFC fighting that now everybody should be on their toes when they see a, like a conflict go down at a bar. Cause you don't know who could, you know, kill you with just their hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the, the idea that like the, the guy that doesn't, that doesn't look intimidating could potentially oh. have insurmountable power. Yeah. 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 Being jacked and big doesn't mean shit anymore yeah that's true that's true yeah i've seen a lot of those videos yeah 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 muscles don't really you know especially if you don't know how to fight muscles really don't mean much you know yeah but you're right it does it does help the the confidence in other things confidence in presentations when you fill out the suit your shoulders are nice and big and you feel good about yourself you walk around you know shoulders back chest up you know there's the jordan peterson idea of you know be like the lobster with your shoulders back and your chest up and that definitely helps you know a feedback loop of you know positive things happening in your life yeah Um, that's actually very true like i remember like just slouching for the whole day just feeling mm -hmm. like weird weird and i'm like okay let's let's try this and i was like wow okay i feel like i dominate things now like yeah yeah, it's a it's a powerful feeling. I, I want to ask you about 
your podcast. So you have a podcast, the world of lifting podcast. You've mentioned a few of your guests and you said that you're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to, to have them as guests. How, as a, you know, podcaster myself, you have a podcast. How did you get those guests on when they have, I mean, from a technical perspective, they do have a large audience already, right? What was the incentive or what pulled them to be a guest on your podcast? Just sheer luck, really, because I, I, um, because if you if you see Squat University, he has close to two million followers. So when I sent him that message on Instagram, my my logic was, okay, I'm going to attempt to contact him, but most likely nothing is going to happen. But I'll just send it just to, just in case. Uh, and he got back to me within like thirty minutes, and I was like, what the? But he actually saw my message because. If you, if you think of 2 million followers, just think of the percentages, right? Probably like a thousand people message him, you know, just randomly right. reacting to a story. So you're thinking, you're thinking like my DM might just get lost in the storm of all those other DMs. But yeah, how I get them is just, I, I, I message them. I, I put a little like biography of my podcast. Oh, you know, I talk about strength. You know, I love to, to, to interview like big name strength athletes, talk about their perspective on things. And um, and if they say yes, you know it's great. We schedule it, and we just we go out, we go on, we record it, we talk about it, and it's a great opportunity just to learn. Because especially with Ed Cohen being that guy, because if you that that guy doesn't even care about his records, he's just like those trophies come and go. The records are there, but I just like the relationships I made throughout the whole throughout my whole career. So if someone like that that on that legendary status in your sport saying that the, the records don't matter you, you start to look at your own training a lot a little bit differently just like wow huh maybe if i can look at perspective wise differently maybe things will go better you know you know so yeah it's, it's like a it's like a mini lecture in each podcast you learn very like different backgrounds like some people were like drug addicts some people, you know, you know, had to, you know, some people were obese. Some people were just, you know, transitioning is a different phase in their life. Some people ended a sport that they thought they were going to be a star in and then just somehow stumbled in lifting. And, you know, there's a whole like, because I've done over 100 of these now. So you get the whole array of different kinds of stories. So, you know, it make, makes you think a lot differently. That's really beautiful. The way you yeah. put that. Um, what was your, one of your favorite guests that you haven't mentioned so far? One of my favorite guests huh. that you haven't, because you mentioned Ed Cohen, you mentioned a few others, your, your stealth favorite guest, if you will. I got to, I got to circle back. Maybe wait, I got to look through this list because there are so many episodes that I've done now that I might've, some of them might've just slipped through my head. Uh, hey, let's not say favorite. Let's say one that one that pops out to you that has a life lesson that you want to share or a lesson that you want to share. I don't want to put anybody on blast as a favorite. Okay. Uh, okay so uh, her name is Danny La Martinez. So she's a doctor of physical therapy. So she, sure. she, she talked about one thing. She said uh, the, the lesson was like not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Like he's like, she's like, identify all the roles in your life. So you don't, so when, so like, let's say I put all that, cause that was me. I put all of my eggs in one basket, powerlifting, 
freaking jam this basket powerlifting. Uh, and then when I got my my shoulder surgery, I was like, what am I going to do with life now? Like, so, so he's like, okay, so you got to identify the roles in your life. Okay. So what am I? I'm a son. I'm a brother. I am a grandson. I'm a podcaster. I'm a martial artist. I'm a powerlifter and powerlifting. Oh, I'm injured right now. Okay. But I got all these other things right here so that I can focus on. I'm a student. Um, there's so many things that you're going to focus on. So you don't feel like the world is crumbling when one thing goes, you still got some other things that you can do while this, you know, while this shoulder heals up, I can, okay, maybe I'll focus on researching a little bit more. So my podcast episodes are a little bit more quality. So that was more like a lesson on life. It wasn't even, even about lifting to be honest. And it was like, it like hit me real hard. Cause I was like, wow, I used to make that mistake of, you know, putting everything into powerlifting and it, it kind of ruined a lot of relationships in my life. Like during, during that time. And I was like, if I can just, you know, expand my tunnel vision, I'll be able to, you know, benefit other things. Cause like obsessing over one sport isn't even good anyway. I don't like, I used to train seven days a week. I've cut it down to four so I can actually think about other things instead of just lifting. Right. So yeah, that was, that was, that was one that actually stood out, but I'm pretty sure there's, there's one in there. Like pretty sure all the guests in there are like, just like, Hey, mine was good too. Like, like no, see, that, that's why I had to back away. I realized that there's always improvements to make on things. Right. And one of the things that I, I need to work on is improving my uh, question asking ability. Cause like as an interviewer, I've, I'm, or as a podcaster, I'm trying to work through what style format I'm working on. Like, am I trying to be, Hey, I'm asking Alan about his life or am I asking Alan about, you know, his experience on, in, in a wider range of things, or is it about his experience as a, a podcaster? Like, what am I trying to do with this whole podcast? I'm kind of just interested in things and the things that I have, you know, I have my own values, you know, health, wealth, and happiness are the key pinnacle parts of my life. And that's kind of what I'm trying to extract out of other people. But you, you're very focused on the, you know, health and fitness perspective. Some people are, you know, I'm going to be working on trying to get guests about wealth and, you know, on meditation and happiness and other things, but yeah, so, uh, I don't want to put anybody, I want to revise <laughs> it. No, nobody's less important on that podcast because one thing that I realized is every, every episode has its own lessons to take away, whether it's lessons that the person is speaking or lessons that you reflect on, right? Oh, I asked the wrong question. Okay. Maybe next time I'll slow down. Maybe I'll take a breather. There, does there have to be more airspace uh, or what's it called? Dead air. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of good podcasters are comfortable with dead air and a lot of uncomfortable or bad podcasters are very uncomfortable with dead air. Um, you know, that's one powerful thing. Well, if, um, you're, if you're more interested, if you're, if you bring on the, you don't, you don't just bring on guests just to bring them on. Right. Like if, if I, if I bring someone, I'm actually interested in what they have to say. So, um, the more interested you are in the, in that person's story, you know, it tends to be a better conversation. It flows. Well, it tends to go off script, which is even better because sure. I have something written down for what I'm going to say, but if it goes off even better, it doesn't even have to go by the script. Like I could just talk about whatever. And it, yeah. I mean, when I, when I look at my sheet, it's, it's a, it's a pretty crummy set of notes, oh, a little <laughs> light glare. Anyhow, um, is it's just notes about like things I wanted to ask. And I've already knocked off more than, more than double what I planned on asking about. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a cool, it's a cool platform. Cause I didn't know you were right around the corner. You could have been in LA, you could have been anywhere. And it's cool that you're right around the corner. Maybe I have to 
treat you to a, a drink when you turn 21, whether it's water, <laughs> some nun energy, uh, maybe it tastes a pre-workout or, or what have you. But, um, I kind of want to wrap things up by asking you, uh, as a final question, could you shout out your, your social medias, your, any places people will eat that from my podcast that they could find you things that you're passionate about or anything along those lines? Sure. So my Instagram is, uh, well, I have two Instagrams. The personal one where I just post my training, it's Lao Strength, L-A-U Strength. If you want to go listen to the podcast where I post, you know, just random philosophy stuff with the podcast, World of Lifting podcast on Instagram. For YouTube, I'm starting to put all of my episodes onto YouTube. It's still a work in progress. There's like 100, 100 million episodes I still have to get over there. But I think it's called World of Lifting, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if the podcast is in there, but world of lifting, whatever it's in there. It's on YouTube. And yeah, that's all. That's all my socials right there. Awesome, man. Yeah. Everything will be linked in the description of the video, as well as the podcast episode when it's audio only on Spotify. And dude, I'm so thankful that one, I got to connect with you Two, that this was a great conversation and three, knowing that you're right around the corner, maybe we'll uh, link up sometime. Yeah, well, Connor came over to for um, at United Barbell for that mock meet just to just to lift with me. So maybe one day you, you'll come get a lift, you know, awesome exchange tips and all that stuff. So I really look forward to it. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks Alrighty. for having me on, man. All right. Have a good one. Bye bye.